episode of Romantic About Baseball podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Jim? Hello. And joining us as our very special guest for the first part of our off-season preview is Mr. Kevin McAlpin. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Now, Kevin, you need no introduction to me being from the Atlanta area, but uh, let's fill our listeners in, all 10 of them, as to, you know, who you are and, and what, what what you do. Yeah, so uh, since 2012, uh, I've covered the Braves. So I, I got down here to Atlanta uh, early February of 2012, and I think Chipper Jones took one look at me and said, I've had enough of this. Uh, this is going to be my last season in the big leagues. So uh, I've covered the Braves the last eight seasons, seen some really good teams, seen some not so great teams, but uh, things have been good here the last few years. So um, like I said, eight years I've been here, uh, covered the Phillies for a couple of years uh, for ESPN radio in Philly before I got down here. So uh, 10 seasons I've covered big league ball. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And last couple of years have been especially fun covering this team. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it one bit. And uh, being a Philly guy that lives in Atlanta now myself, uh, you've also covered the Phillies teams during some good and bad years too. So you have a very, uh, very bipolar career here. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny growing up in Philly. Like all, all of my friends, even mom, still has trouble. You know that the fact that my son is like the biggest Braves fan on earth. <laughs> she thinks he should be a Phillies fan, and my wife always makes the argument. Well, he's from Atlanta. He's from here. He has no affiliation to the Philly team. So. He is a Sixer fan, and he is a Temple Owl fan. So those are the two teams of mine that uh, that he's picked up on. But uh, he he's probably the biggest little four and a half year old Braves fan you'll you'll find in this town. That's to say the least. That's fabulous. <laughs> go Owls. My wife's yeah, an Owl, go. so go Owls. Um, yeah, I like it. So uh, so basically, Kevin, you're here to join us to uh, as a I guess you are our insider for sure. But uh, you're here to join us to kind of help us run down the National League East off season. Uh, preview, you know, just kind of get a feel. We're just going to run down each of the teams and just get a feel for for what we're thinking here. So, um, you know, I figured, uh, you know, without any objections, uh, uh, Jim, unless you got anything, we're just going to get started. No, no, I'm here for the ride. Fabulous. All right, so let, let's uh, let's jump right in and uh, start with uh, the the home team for Kevin and I. Let's start with the Braves. Um, Kevin, you tell me if you think I'm correct here. Um, you know, first off, let's just back up for a second. Uh, big news today. Uh, Will Smith joins the Atlanta Braves, uh, in the, um, in the bullpen three years, $39 million. Uh, Kevin, do you think, is this the end of AJ Minter? 
you know what? It's really hard to tell because this could go one of two ways. You know, you got Shane Green under contract for for ne- or under team control for next year, but uh, looking at what he's projected to get in arbitration, potentially up to seven million bucks, uh, you could be looking at maybe a non-tender situation there. So I don't know that this spells the end of anybody right now. Um, you know, there's still a long way to go in this off season, and you think back to last spring training. This team got to camp. They had Minter. They had Carl. They had Winkler. They had the list went on and on of guys who they expected to be Vizcaino. I think a lot of folks have forgotten Arotis Vizcaino was on this team last year. Um, So there was a lot of pieces they expected to be, you know, big, impactful arms uh, in the bullpen and just never worked out. So I wouldn't say this spells the end of anybody right now. I mean, Minter's a guy you've got him under team control for a few more years. So if anything, that probably just means he starts out in AAA if you need to be. Um, so uh, it's a good, it's a great pickup. Uh, I've talked to some folks who cover the Giants. Uh, they've told us we're going to love Will Smith. Uh, I was told that nothing rattles this guy. He's, he's a guy you want to have on the mound in pressure situations. Um, and, you know, look, he, it's, a, it's a great addition to a bullpen that had a lot of inconsistencies the last few years. So I like the move. Uh, I think it's it shows that Alex is going to be aggressive again this offseason. You saw last year with, with McCann and Donald uh, he got those deals done early on, and I think that's what you can expect to see here again this offseason. If there's a guy that is on their radar that they really like, they're going to go out and they're going to try to get him before the market really is able to set itself, and, and maybe the prices go up even more uh, as we get deeper into the offseason. Right, right. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's. I thought it was an interesting pickup. You know, it, it almost makes me wonder where, how they're going to position that bullpen now that they have, you know, like what would seem to be a plethora of lefty options. So, um, uh, you know, so but on my immediate needs list that I had drafted before this, I, my needs list went uh, catcher, corner outfielder, reliever. I mean, Tyler Flowers hasn't had an OPS over 674 in any season. He started 100 games or more. We got there's not anything ready in the minors. So, despite the you know Yasmani Grandal is going to want a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you think you know? And Jim, chime in here with me. Do you do you think this is uh, Yasmani Grandal could be a fit for the Braves? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, Grandal to me is, uh, you know, probably one of the top three catchers uh, in the in the game today for me. I mean, this past season was um, spectacular. I I can't imagine a team that wouldn't want him. I can't remember who I saw today, but somebody uh, posted that if you weren't if you're the, the Phillies, Grandal's your guy. It doesn't really matter who you are, Grandal's your guy. So, uh, man, he would be a heck of an addition to this team to round off with the. Uh, a solid core that they already have down at Atlanta. Um, if they weren't already uh, looking pretty good for next year to compete, um, yeah, they'd look great after that, that's for sure. Can you imagine Grandal and Tyler Flowers, the pitch frame- framers extraordinaire, together? That would be- yeah, it'd be pretty good. And, and look, I, I'll say this about you know Grandal. I mean, obviously, he's going to be the name you're going to hear every team linked to this offseason. He is the cream of the crop behind the plate uh, as far as catchers go. I mean, the, the rest of the market's not really all that desirable. You've got you know Darno and Chirinos and you know guys that are 35, 36 years old. The Braves need to get younger behind the plate. Uh, certainly, Grandal would allow them to do that. So uh, that's the one you're going to hear a lot of. But uh, unfortunately, in the Braves situation. 
mention, uh, they're not going to be, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be a long list of, of teams, you know, vying for his services. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, again, in my opinion, they need to get younger behind the plate because you think back a couple of years ago, it was Flowers and Suzuki. Last year, it was Flowers and McCann. You need to get, you know, upper 20s, low 30s if you can, um, and, and just try to get a little bit younger and more athletic behind the plate because we know Flowers has had issues with the pass balls the last couple of years. That's been really his Achilles heel. So, um, you know, Especially pitch framing with those, is huge. Uh, and, with, those, with those slider pitchers like, uh, yeah. like Jackson and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, again, pitch framing is huge, and that's a big part of analytics right now. Uh, but, again, finding a guy that can give you some more offense, I think, would be huge for, for this for this team. I mean, there's especially if Donaldson's not back. You need to find a, a way to replace that bat in the middle of the order. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, 119 OPS plus at the catcher's position. Yeah, that plays pretty, that plays pretty well. That plays really well. <laughs> play, yeah, that's a, that's a drive down the fairway if I've ever seen one. Um, Kevin, all right, I'm going to run this down for you real quick. Just give me a, a yes or no. And and I know that Anthopolis, Alex has come out and said there's nobody that's untouchable. But, like, you know, in classic Atlanta sports fashion, play these names down for me. Uh, just a simple yes or no if you think there's even a possibility they get traded this offseason. Um, Ian Anderson. I would say probably not. He, I know nobody's untouchable, but for me, he's probably as close to untouchable as you would get. It would have to be a part of a big package deal, and it would have to be a, a pretty darn good return. So I would say he is probably untouchable. Mookie Betts. Okay, moving on. Uh, Christian Pache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for, for Pache, I, I, I could see them moving him. You know, they have Pache and Waters, so you have two you know young outfielders that you know could potentially fill that role. I could see one of the two of them being dealt again if it's part of a bigger deal. To your point about bets, the concerning thing for me is what does he have? One year left on his deal, right? So he's a rental. Go, yeah, yeah. He well, maybe. I mean, I, you know, maybe you could you know sign him long term. I don't know, um, but you know, if you're going to give up three or four of your big time prospects. I just I can't see Alex completely going against uh, you know the way he's done things the last couple of years and and just going out and you know giving up the farm for for a one year rental. I just don't see that happening. Sure, I could see that. Um, yeah, that answers my question about Waters. Uh, what about Tukey? D- does he seem tradable to you? Like he's kind of been up and down. I don't know what his value is right now. I really right, me neither. Yeah, he's been very inconsistent. Uh, his fastball command has not been great. It's something. Every time I talk to him, you know, it's like, hey, what are you trying to work on? What do you want to get better at? It's always fastball command. Well, this is what he's gotten two years now where he's come up to the big leagues and you just haven't seen it really click for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I could see them making him available right now. I just don't know what his value would really bring in return. Sure. Um, the one I'm most intrigued about, Austin Riley. Yeah, I could see them moving him if the deal was right. Um, right. You know, look, he, he's a guy that showed a lot of potential when he first came up. The home runs every 10 minutes he was hitting home runs. My but, fantasy know, team thanks him. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the, unfortunately for him, the, the book got out on him pretty quick. This guy can hit a fastball. Uh, so don't throw him a fastball. Um, and, and even that late in the season, he was having trouble catching up to heater. So I, I think that, yeah, if the right deal came along, uh, I could absolutely see them, them making him available. There's, there's no question about it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. And, um, and Jim, what do you, what do you, I mean, wh- what's your perspective on this as a sort of outside observer? Like Kevin and I are kind of knee deep in it, but I'm, uh, you know, from the outside, like, what do you see as an immediate sort of uh, pressing need here? 
for me, I'm just I'm curious about the pitching staff and how the pitching staff's going to round out for the starting pitchers. Uh, I'm curious as all heck. Uh, you got Soroka, you got Fulte, um, but is it is it going to be Freed, uh, Newcomb, and I mean, is Kyle Wright? Is he the answer this next year? Where's he at? I would love to know what Kevin thinks about Kyle Wright. Yeah, I, I like Kyle Wright a lot. I mean, look, last spring training, he he was outstanding. Now, unfortunately, it feels like he you know kind of <laughs> gave it all he had in spring just to make the team. And then when he got here and when the season started, he just didn't look like the same guy. Just the confidence wasn't there. Um, his his you know pitch selection and, and his location just it wasn't great at all. Um, so you know, look, I think that he's a guy that's shown flashes of of you know potential is there. Um, this this season is going to be really interesting because look, you've got you know Soroka and Freed who you know really took huge strides forward this season. Faulty, what we saw the last couple of months of the season looks like he is back to being the faulty we expected him to be coming into the year. Um, you know, you also had uh, you know. I mean, you saw Wright, you saw Wilson, you saw Tucson, you saw some of those guys come around. Um, the big question I have is, is you know, do they go for a frontline starter? Uh, they're they're not going to be in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. Let's just get that out of the way now. Right, yeah. Be, I mean, they're not giving, they're not paying three hundred million dollars for Garrett Cole. That's just not going to happen. Um, they could be in that next tier though. Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler, those are guys I think could really be good fits. The other thing you have to keep in mind is too, they're losing one hundred and eighty innings with Julio Tehran being gone now. You can say what you want about Julio. I love Julio. Julio defender yeah. in the house. Yeah, yeah. Look, we're, there's something to be fair. said about a guy who makes his starts every five days, right? He gives you 180 innings a year. He's going to give you, you know, 15 really good starts. He's going to give you 10 where you're just mediocre at best. Uh, but 12 million dollars was a lot to spend for a number five starter. But again, you've got to find somebody that can eat those innings. So I think that they need to get at least one veteran guy in here. I'm a big Bumgarner fan. I think that's a that, that would be a perfect addition. He wants to pitch here. I've been told that by a number of different people the last couple of years. He's made that very well known in his circles. So, um, you know, look as as far as the young guys, I don't. It's going to be quite a competition in spring training. You can have any you know, five or six guys, whether it's Newcomb or Wright or Toussaint or Wilson. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that could potentially be competing for a spot in that rotation. But I'd feel a whole lot better if I added a guy like Bumgarner or Wheeler into the mix, just to just to have someone that you know can cover those innings. No, that's I I agree with you. I think you know it's you know the whole point of the rebuild, the whole sort of in, uh, focus of it was on young pitch, young controllable pitching, and you know that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to run out. Out the young prospects all the time that doesn't mean the Braves are dead set on that you know it, it, I would think that the money that we're saving from not having to go out and get two or three frontline pitchers w- would probably uh, equate itself to to being able to get a frontline so and I, I just I worry about Bumgarner on a long-term deal that's just me yeah. I don't know why he's 27 going on 40 I mean sometimes and do you, you believe there's a zero percent chance that Tehran comes back on another deal no, I don't. I wouldn't rule it out at all. Matter of fact, Alex talked about that on a conference call a few weeks ago, and he said, "Look, you know, we're not paying the you know the eleven million dollars really that it would have cost them because there was a million dollar buyout. Um, they're going to let him test the water, see what his market is. Um, look, if if it doesn't size up the way Julio wants, they would absolutely entertain bringing him back on a you know shorter term, lower dollar deal. Uh, but you know, again." I've got to think that somebody will take a flyer on Julio Tehran for, you know, a two or three year deal. Look at the price of starting pitching. It's just insane what starters have gotten here over the last few years. So, um, you know, you've got, you know, Strasburg opting out. He's going to get, you know, 
$180 million. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So it's a great bargain. It's a great, uh, great guy to add to your staff. Again, if he's at the back of your rotation, look, Julio Tehran, he made six straight opening day starts, but let's be honest, three of those were essentially by necessity right. because of, of injuries. So uh, it's a little misleading when you look at the fact that he made all those opening day starts, but no, I would not, I'm not ruling out at all him coming back uh, again on a shorter term deal to be your number five. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah. yeah, just one of those rare guys out there that's got, he's, uh, what, less than 29 years old and yeah. pitched in 2011. I mean, he's got the experience under his belt and still a lot of arm left in him, I believe. So I agree. Yeah, he for, could, for a guy that throws some innings. For a guy that throws 88 on the regular, I mean, he's, he's the, like the antithesis to he's not a, a ground ball specialist, he's not a, a power pitcher. He's just the antithesis to modern pitching. And I think maybe that's why I, I like him so much. You know, I don't know. And again, he's an innings eater. He, he's durable. I've talked to a couple of veteran guys in that clubhouse that said, look, you can't really put a price tag of value on a guy who doesn't get hurt, who, you know, you know, he, you know he's going to start every five days. I mean, that's, that's huge to have. Again, when you had a, a rotation with two guys that had inning question marks, and I thought the Braves did a nice job this year of, you know, when you had a chance to back off Soroka or Freed, get him out of there a little early. I know fans weren't happy about it. They wanted to see, you know, Soroka get a chance to go CG a couple times or, or Freed to go deeper into ball games, but they handled it the right way. Those guys both look good, you know, all the way down the stretch. So uh, again, there, there's a lot to say about a guy who, does who has no questions whatsoever about his health, his durability, and his ability to log innings and give you six or seven innings a start. I agree. All right. Well, hey, look, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and revisit the rest of the NL East. And uh, yeah, with Kevin McAlpin of 680 The Fan, uh, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Uh, and uh, just uh, updating you, we are joined by Kevin McAlpin of 680 The Fan in Atlanta, and of course Jim Passan as always. But we are going to dive right into the rest of the NL East. And I want to start with the New York Mets. Um, you know, my immediate needs in terms of, uh, you know, what the, what the off season may bring, I feel like they got to figure out their middle infield at second base. I feel like the third base and relief pitching, like, what do you do with Edwin Diaz? Um, uh, what's your initial thoughts here, uh, Kevin? Yeah, well, I mean, look, they're they're more than likely going to lose Zach Wheeler, so they got to plug a spot in their starting rotation. That's a good point. But the bullpen that was a, that was really an area of weakness for for the Mets. Really, the last couple of years sounds like they're going to give Diaz the chance to be the closer again in 2020. And if you're a Braves fan or really anybody else in the NL East, that's got to be music to your ears <laughs> because that did not work out for them year one. Um, look, there's something to be said. I, I talked to a few guys about this. You know, playing in New York. You know, we always say it's it might sound like a cliche, but there's some guys just can't handle it. It's just too much for some guys. So uh, I think that's what you saw with Diaz last year, but they need to get some other pieces around him there. Offensively, I think they're okay. Um, you know, with McNeil and with Alonzo, I mean, there's just two, two studs. I mean, just young studs. J.D. Davis was really good this year too. Um, but yeah, middle infield will be big, but I think, you know, look, Frazier's a free agent. What do you do at third base? What are you doing in the bullpen? Uh, they're going to have a lot of questions. But, uh, again, we know New York team, they got some deep pockets, and uh, I think they're going to be aggressive once again this offseason. 
I wonder if they have the, uh, you know, they don't have the structural issues. I think that some other teams have, I think that their, their problems are, are very commonplace in major league baseball right now. They need a bullpen. They need bullpen. They need a matchup. In fact, I think I had the Mets actually grabbing Will Smith in my preseason predictions, just because I feel like they needed a matchup option just in case Diaz falls apart again. Um, and then uh, they need defense. I mean, their their star one of their star pitchers, Marcus Stroman, needs a defense behind him. Uh, so, I mean, Jim, what do you think? Uh, I'm curious about Cespedes. I mean, he he could have a oh my god, that's right. guy on the bench next year. Finally, I mean, he's been out for what has it been a little over a year and a half now? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how uh, how he bounces back. So. Um, because good grief, like you said, McNeil's out there, uh, Conforto, um, and then Nemo, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't understand how, uh, how he fits in anymore at that. And that just seems like such a bench piece. So, um, and I don't think there's any chance they can move him. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the outfield plays out because I mean, they could use a DH there. It seems. I think Van Wagenen was actually quoted recently as saying he thinks Nemo could be. Uh, the everyday center fielder, and uh, so so that's I don't know I don't know how they feel about that, but um, I mean we know Cespedes has a cannon on him when he's playing, but I mean hasn't he always been a little bit uh, shaky on the defense wise? Other than that, yeah, just watch Game One of the World Series in 2015. <laughs> well, that's a big problem. You said when he's playing, and that that has been an issue uh, for him the last couple of years, just being able to stay on the field. And every time he seems like he's coming back and, and getting through the rehab process, uh, you know, there's a setback along the way. So that's that's just been a big issue. It's just being able to stay healthy and be on the field. And I mean, if you're the Mets, I mean, obviously you owe him a lot of money, but uh, can can you trust him that, that he can All actually right. be a a contributor? I, I don't know that you're at that point just yet. I wonder, you know, I guess at some point the Mets have to stop doubling down. I feel like at some point, like if this, if we're into June, late June, early July, at what point, and things are not going great because this is a good division. Do you think at some point they start to pull up stakes and just say, all right, we, we goofed? You know, everybody like, is there, it seems like this was sort of the classic recipe, aging stars, oft injured players, big contracts, uh, underperforming players and not as much as, and then holes like their biggest strength was their rotation. And then a huge hole comes in it. Are we looking at a team that could be absolutely Marlin style fire sailing here sooner than later? it's just so hard to do in New York. And I've talked to people who cover the Mets about that. And it's just, it's so hard to sell to New York fans. I mean, that you're going to, you're going to tear it down and rebuild. I think the fact that they've kept the rotation together, the last two trade deadlines, they didn't move to Grom or Syndergaard or Wheeler at this point, they added onto it with Stroman this year. I think it goes to show you that, uh, you know, there's a lot of faith that, that this team is close closer than maybe some people feel like it is to competing. So um, I don't know that they're at the point where they want to tear it down just yet. Again, I think that when you've got Cano, we forgot about Cano, that they, they owe him a ton of money over the next few years. So that's going to be tough as well. You're, you're saddled with that one. So I don't think they're at that point just yet. I think that uh, you know they feel like they're contenders and they can at least be in the mix for a wild card spot You know, as the season plays itself out. 
Yeah, it's it just true. seems like they'd be so much closer to that right now if it wasn't for last offseason when they had yeah. McNeil on a sh- I mean, short sample size from 2018, ready to go at second base, played great, and then all of a sudden they go and make two moves in the offseason to get Lowry and Cano, and and now all of a sudden you're pushing McNeil all over the place, playing left, playing right, playing third. Uh, it it just seems like they had they had the piece they needed and they had the money to spend elsewhere, and then they just overloaded it at yeah. one of the positions that's really not that coveted i agree with you this is a team with 170 million dollars 169 million dollars commit in committed payroll next year that's fifth most in major league baseball i'll be very interested to see i i kind of feel like 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 you were saying kevin it's either i feel like world series or bus is a little extreme but you know it's either postseason or something or van wagon and seat is gonna get uh, like hemorrhoid level hot yeah well, and again, remember he's he's in his, his you know this is a new role for him. I mean he's he's never had a, a baseball ops uh, right you know, role yeah before this one. He was on the other side of it, so uh, I guess they wanted to you know give him a, give him a couple of years to to see how it all played out. Look, they got you know they've got a lot of potential, but I feel like every year going into the season we say that the Mets have a lot of potential this year, right. whether they get off to a slow start or you know get off to a good start and then collapse for a month and a half and then get it together. They just haven't put six full months together the last yeah. few years. Um, and I think that, you know, if they're able to do that, um, they can be a dangerous team again with that rotation, get to get to the postseason. I mean, that's, that's what it takes to win. Um, so if they can find a way in, they can be, a, they can be a tough out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, uh, Philadelphia Phillies, Kevin, I, I think they need a starter, a reliever and an outfielder. What do you think? Yeah, Garrett Cole's going to be a name to keep an eye on for the Phillies. I mean, they've got uh, a lot of money to spend. Uh, they've got deep pockets. That uh, TV contract's really beneficial for them. Uh, they need another starter. I mean, Nola obviously has has shown that he can be a, a Cy Young contender a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Arietta, you're in the final year of him. But, you know, you need one more, you know, top legit guy to add to that mix bullpen was another area where they really struggled uh, throughout the majority of last season um you know look the big question i have is you know third base uh you know do they get in the rendon sweepstakes do they uh, make a push for josh donaldson uh, those are two guys to keep an eye on uh from philly per- philly's perspective uh, but again i think for them it all starts with a, a, a you know a, a real solid starter uh and garrett cole very well could end up being that guy when all said and done do you think to me to me scott kingery is their is their linchpin like what do you do yeah. with him what do you do with scott kingry because is his value in being an ultra utility player you just find a spot for in the lineup or is he a guy his best defensive metrics end up at third base but on the other end this was a really good we they were historically bad just a year ago defensively and uh, Jim, you, maybe you'll back me up on this. They, they were so bad defensively. And this year, they, uh, according to Fangraphs, they were a top five defensive team. You know, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's a team that when I watch them, it, it seems like an improved team from, from 2018. But at the same time, it just seemed like they, they underachieved all at the same time, too. So I think uh, it almost clouds over the effect that they had at, at defense um just to see what seemed like an underperformance but i don't know if that's chalked up to management because i mean that they got rid of kapler at the end of the season and uh or or not it just was an odd season i had so much more expectation out of philly to even believe that they actually had a good season defensively still would it, it boggles me at the moment what do you think yeah 
I like Kingery in center field. I thought he did a nice job. I mean, there was a few highlight plays he made against the Braves this season where you're thinking, my goodness, I don't know how in the world this guy's getting to those balls, but um, he makes it look easy. So, you know, he could end up being those, you know, one of those super utility guys. I mean, there's certainly a, there's a spot for those kind of guys, the way this game has evolved now. I mean, you look at uh, here in Atlanta, you've got a Charlie Culberson who can play seven of nine defensive positions. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of value for, you know, it's tough to when you have a shorter bench, when you have that extra arm in the bullpen, you need versatility and you need guys that can play three, four, five positions. Kingery does that for them. So, um, you know, I like him a lot, um, whether they put him in center field or move him to third base. I think they're looking for an upgrade, especially offensively. And like I said, D- Donaldson and Rendon would certainly give him that big boost. So um, I-, I don't mind him in center field. I, I, I kind of like the way it looked for the, for the Phillies this year and with, uh, with Kingery out there. Sure. Yeah, he could easily rotate with Herrera out there there uh, especially if um well, that's if they McCutcheon's keep back running one of the corners so are they yeah. gonna are they gonna keep Herrera you think it sounds like right now it looks like he'll be back um I don't know how you can sell that to your fan base but uh, yeah. I, I don't know I, I'm very curious to see what happens with, with yeah. him this offseason yeah I agree with you um you know I wonder I wonder too because initially in my notes here I actually have like you know is is Madison Bumgarner a good fit uh, for them now do you now based on you know what you're hearing like do you think that like maybe someone like zach wheeler is a better fit like are they gonna are they gonna explore the trade market at all like do, like how do you think philly goes about acquiring a, a a starting pitcher keeping in mind that they have if the met the mets have 169 million dollars uh they're fifth in baseball the phillies have 155 million committed next year and that's seventh in baseball you add garrett cole into the mix i mean that fixes one end of it but you or do you do you think that's the big deal or like what do you think yeah i mean i think that uh, they're they're willing to explore all options and you know you heard uh philly's owner john middleton last season say that they they're prepared to spend stupid money right. uh, and it's funny because i was at the winter meetings when they uh when they signed andrew mccutcheon and i heard one veteran phillies writer in the hallway say well they said they were going to spend stupid money. I guess they just did. Um, I, I thought McCutcheon was a good pickup for them. It, it felt like a, a bit of an overpay. But look, again, when you've got a $2.2 billion TV deal, um, you have the ability to go out and spend you know, more than, than some other you know, franchises can. So uh, that's where it's really going to pay off for, for these guys. So I think that they're probably committed to going and, and you know, shooting for the top and, and you know, being in the, in, in the market for Cole or – uh, you know, Bumgarner and, and, and Wheeler, I think they're very similar to the Braves as well. I mean, they, those would be good fallback options for Philly. But, um, you know, I think that right now they're 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 going for the top. And whether it's, you know, trying to acquire someone via trade, that could, could be a possibility. But I think free agency is where they're looking at least to start the offseason. Yeah, it seems like that would be their best chances in free agency. I don't believe that uh, they've really got the prospects to really play around. So if they're trading, I mean, they're they're played they're trading at a major league level. I don't know if their prospects can really bring them in much. So I think they got to spend that stupid money. But yeah, no, I, I that's agree with the you. Feel I get. I think this could be another a, a team to go over the tax this year. We'll have to see. Um, all right, next up, the defending uh, champions, and they'll let the goosebumps subside for a second. It feels weird to say I that. know, it's so weird. <laughs> I'll never get over it. But somehow I was still happier than saying the Astros for many, many reasons as the offseason unfolds. Yeah. Um, the uh, So anyway, the Nationals, uh, immediate relief needs to me. There's You can't run Corbin out to uh, save you every day. 
so you need a reliever. You need a corner infielder uh, because honestly, I I think you can't have Rendon and Strasburg. But you know, tell me I'm wrong. And then a middle infielder. So Kevin, uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think it all starts with with Rendon for me. And you know, this time last year, uh, I was talking to a few folks uh, with the Nationals, and they said, well, look, you know, not to sound pompous, but you know, we have a surplus of outfielders, so they didn't necessarily need to go out and you know bring Bryce Harper back that was not um, you know they had they had four outfielders already so uh, they don't have another infielder they don't have another Anthony Rendon walking through that door Um, so for me I think they're that that is the biggest one I don't think they can afford to let him go I really don't Uh, they've got to find a way to keep him Um, it's not going to be easy he's not going to be cheap Uh, but you know he's a big part of that not only offensively but defensively as well I mean this guy can play some third base right Uh, so you know, I, I don't see how you could let him walk. Um, like Strasburg won't be easy either. But, you know, again, look, when you're coming off the season you had, um, you know, maybe you can convince some of those guys to take a little bit less to, to you know, be on the world champs again. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, for me, if I'm a Nationals fan, um, I could come to terms with seeing Harper walk. I don't know if I could come to terms with seeing Rendon go. So, what about Strasburg? Do you do you well, think they can? T- do you think if you have a choice as a Nationals fan, do you you can't have both? Do you want Strasburg or do you want Rendon? I would probably want Rendon. I really would. I mean, there's just it's just what he brings to the middle of that order. Um, you know, it, it's hard to to replicate that. Now, again, look, if they lose him, maybe they go after a Josh Donaldson. Maybe they, you know, go after a Mike Mustakis. But I think for me, um, an everyday player, I, I really I would put more emphasis on a guy that's going to go out there and play every single day as opposed to a to a starter. I mean, look, they've got a really nice uh, core in that rotation around Strasburg with. Scherzer and Corbin and even Anibal Sanchez, who uh, was so good here a couple of years ago, had a pretty decent year for him last year. Um, they've got some young arms on the way as well. So uh, Rendon, to me, as an everyday guy, I, I just I, I couldn't stand seeing him go off. I'm a Nationals fan. Sure. Hey. Yes, he seems like the biggest loss by far. Um, I don't think Keyboom's quite ready to go. I mean, he's 22 and, and looks like he could be the future, but it seems like that's just too much of a gamble with the with the team that they still have. I mean, they lost, they're losing a lot of free agents this year, but they still aren't holding a bad course, so especially on that mound. So, yeah, to me, Rendon is, is the one. I mean, pay the man. See, I, I, I gotta. I think I agree with you guys from a statistical and a standpoint, but I ultimately think, I, I ultimately think that uh, the bidding gets so high on Rendon, they're sort of forced into a choice, and and I think that they pick Strasburg. I mean, that's an expensive one too, because didn't he just uh, give up what four years and a hundred million dollars? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I, I just think I, I get the feeling that it's going to come down to not a, not a uh, pragmatic, practical decision, but an emotional, you know, fan base decision. You know what I mean? Because you know how hard it is to repeat. You know how hard it is to even get, in some cases, even to get back to the playoffs for a team that really, like, I know they had that amazing run in the second half, but, you know, I I think ultimately all cards on the table, I think ultimately they're forced into a choice and Strasburg ends up being that choice because he's the more likely one to take the discount. 
but you know that's that's my that's my gut on it that's tough yeah he's he's only qualified for the era title twice in the last five years it's just uh i mean it's not like he's he's missing a ton of time but he's he's always missing a quarter of his starts it's just uh, i mean this past year was different i mean i, I like strasburg i love when he succeeds i mean it's, he's somebody that i've enjoyed following since he's been in the league but yeah he just seems like the that if i was going to go out and i was going to take the phillies role of spending stupid money i'd oh man i'd throw the throw the whole paycheck at, at rendon and make it happen sure I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you from a practical standpoint, but I I, I got to go. I got to go with my fandom gut on this one and say that Rendon, my crazy conspiracy theory, and Rendon is wearing Chicago black and white next season. Uh, call me call me crazy, and you're probably right to do so. Um, Kevin, do you think crazy. that do you think that's that's crazy, Kevin? I've got seventy eight percent of Twitter telling me I'm nuts, but are are you in that camp that Rendon as a white sock is that weird? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but, hey, look, when you're in his position, if someone's going to – you know, look, he, he has earned the right to uh, to go out there and, and to get paid by whoever uh, the highest bidder is. I mean, look, he's got a ring now, so uh, obviously he's got that in his back pocket. So that's, uh, you know, probably a little bit easier pill to swallow if you're going to a team that's not necessarily ready to compete now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be kind of weird. It'd be a, it would just feel feel odd to see him – in the White Sox uniform, I don't can't uh, picture that one. <laughs> you all, you you know when this happens, you all laughed at me, but I was right. <laughs> um, and then if I'm wrong, who cares? Because I don't matter. Yeah, all just right. delete this, and no one will remember. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, Come that's on, what I do, you know? all my, my my mother's the only one who listens to this. It's all right. Um, well, we know Rendon <laughs> won't end up in San Diego. That there, well, I know that yeah, for a fact. Uh, yeah, that's that's you're you're right there. Um, all right, so last th- we got to talk about the Marlins because because we have to. Um, all right, so otherwise, I, with this program has no integrity. Um, so Marlins, uh, look, you you need someone to hit the baseball, and then you need someone to throw the baseball after your starter leaves the game. So, uh, what, Kevin, what what's your what's your insider mind telling us about the Marlins here? I have no idea what to expect. I mean, there's going to be a lot of turnover with that roster. Um, you know, look, they're still um, a ways away from, you know, being cont- a contender in the division alone. I mean, look, it, uh, it's it's going to be tough for them. I mean, you've got four teams with much deeper prospects, much deeper, you know, pockets uh, to spend on free agents. I mean, I just, I don't know what your selling point is if you're trying to get a free agent to go to Miami. Like, what what are you selling them on? Um, as far as you know, what your direction is. I mean, look, I know they've torn it down to the to the studs and are starting all over again. But I, I just, I, I don't know. They need a lot, and you know, look, they're going to lose Starlin Castro. He's he's a free agent. Uh, they're going to have a hole to fill there. From an offensive standpoint, they might bring up one of their young kids and give them an opportunity. Uh, but man, they they need help in in all facets. I mean, they got some good young arms. I I'll give them that. You know, Alcantara showed some good stuff this year. We saw a couple of other uh, young arms that stood out to guys uh, in, in that Braves clubhouse that, that threw hard, but are still aren't finished products. So I mean, they need starters, they need a bullpen, they need offense. They, I mean, they just they need it all. Um, right. it, the question I had, and I, I threw this out there uh, to Mark Bowman uh, during the season. We were in Miami. I said, let me let me ask you this. I said, when will this ballpark host a home playoff game for the Miami Marlins? And we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, ah. Probably going to be another decade. I mean, I mean, there's 
there's no hope. <laughs> there's no hope on the way. For this. I mean, it's just, there isn't. Now, again, they're, they're starting from the ground up. That's what you have to do. We've seen a lot of teams do it and be successful at it, but they're, they're just, they're in such a tough division. And with, you know, the fan base being what it is, they're drawing six, 7,000 people a night. I just, uh, I don't know where the money is going to come from to turn it around to spend on, on free agents. And, and again, what are you selling those free agents on? So I, Boy, I, I wouldn't want to be in Mike Hill or or, uh, or Derek Jeter's shoes trying to put that team together and trying to get a fan base back on my side because you know, they are a long, long way away. You know you messed up when nobody when you're Derek Jeter and people don't want to be in your shoes. That, yeah. that that's when you know the bottom has fallen out on your decision making. Um, yeah. Jim, what, I mean, you got any thoughts on the? Do you have any thoughts on the Marlins? I don't know. I mean, I've done some stat tweets on them by just basically how like low amount of war combined that they have on their well now 26 man roster compared to like one person for another team. I mean, it's just ridiculous how many players have more war than the whole entire Florida Marlins. So you're dealing with inexperience, uh, but not even really complete youth. I mean, it seems like a lot of these guys that they're playing with are. 26 27 and just eh, just didn't right? pan and, out. at that point you know? guys so, that would be in triple a anywhere else yeah so i mean i i mean I, I i feel like there's some hope in somebody like a brian anderson or uh jorge alfaro um Al- alcantara is definitely one that i feel has got the uh the ability there but i mean brinson i i mean is that gonna pan out i mean it seems like he's got about over 200 first yeah, I mean, it seems like that's just a, a, a project that keeps failing. So, I mean, I yeah, I've had people tell me that in a couple of years. I mean, I know they're diehards, uh, the the fish stripes guys, um, but you know that that they're getting really close, and that uh, the minor leagues are coming up, and and that's going to be the thing that gets it rocking and rolling. But uh, it's, it's it's so hard to see. It's really yeah. I, I can't agree with Kevin anymore. The way Kevin put it. It's, just I don't know how you how you sell this team and how you bring anybody in. My my ready ready for this. Their big off season acquisition, Hunter Pence. Why the hell not? The dude That'll came put back. Butts in the seats. That that you know what? <laughs> it, something's gotta. And you know what? It seems like the per. It's like you know what? It's Miami, dude. Just play yeah, out the rest of your career. Have fun. We'll let you do whatever you want. You can wear a wear a, a beanie in the outfield. They love Pence down in the Dominican Republic. I mean, it's probably a good good place to put him. I mean, it's a, it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, he's got the he's got the right flavor to play there. Yeah. So they've I'm been just t- glad they got rid of that statue out in the, in the outfield. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Did oh, you horrendous. see they they tied um they tied uh, Jose Abreu to it? Like yeah, I just I mean I, they just tied Jose Abreu to the Marlins. Uh, I don't know, Kevin. Have you heard any legitimacy to that? That just popped no. up. I haven't heard that. I, I, the two names I saw that I, were head scratchers were former Marlin Marcelo Zuna, and then I also saw Nicholas Castellanos. And oh. I don't know why in the world either one of those two guys would want to sign there as free agents. I mean, I, it makes no sense. And again, if they do that, I mean, okay, great, you you got one guy. Uh, it, I just, it doesn't make any sense for the direction they're going to sign or to try to sign, you know, one or two big free agents. I, I just again, I just. I don't know what that proves. You know, I don't know what that does for you. Ozuna's I, going to Miami to work on his defense. <laughs> and I believe Abreu took his qualifying offer from the White Sox. Did he? So okay. I, yeah. Uh, you so could. He's you off could. The market now. You could be totally right there. Um, yep. That was just something I saw on on the on the tweeter. 
Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well, we got through that guy. We got through the Marlins, so that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, we're going right, to take exactly. a quick break and and you know sort of drown our sorrows after talking about the Marlins for that long, and then we're going to come back with uh, Jim's stat spotlight, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back uh, for our final section of the night. We're going to do our uh, Jim's stat spotlight. I promise I'll make you a theme song for that sooner than later. And uh, Jim, take it away, my dude. All right. So we're going to be doing our uh, previews or, well, I guess, the offseason previews. So uh, with it being the NL East, we're going to focus on the NL East and things that uh, happen. So I'm going to actually trivia you guys up and see if you guys can tell me who is the correct answer for my questions? Bring it. You guys ready? Let's All right. Do it. All right. So, which NL East, NL East team in 2019 had the most extra base hits? Kevin? Uh, I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to say the Washington Nationals. Really close there. Uh, the Nationals is the right answer. Oh. With 556 extra base hits this year. The Braves had 555. One behind them. Come on. And the, uh, Acuna! And the, Phillies, the Phillies were right behind that at 552. They were bang, bang, bang on top of each oh, other. So that was, that was a tough one. It was nice and close. Uh, you guys still picked out the top two, and you got the winner. So uh, put one down for Adam, nice. uh, I guess, on the fake scoreboard that I have over here. So, Fabulous. All right. Um, let's move on to uh, pitching really quick. All right. What team in the National League East had the most three-pitch strikeouts? Adam? Um, one and five shot. Miami Marlins. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's not the Miami Marlins. <laughs> uh, I'll take the field. If you would take the field, you would be incorrect. Oh, you would be incorrect. Amazingly, it is the Marlins. <laughs> I right? was just both. I was just. I was just messing around. Wow. That is the goofiest one, right? Because, I mean, like, Scherzer is, like, the three-pitch strikeout king. But uh, it ends up being the Marlins with 281 of them this year over the Nationals, 273 in second place. And what's really crazy about that is uh, the Marlins had the worst first-pitch strike percentage in the National League. Only 59.1% of their first pitches were strikes. But, boy, once they got that first one over, it's just full steam ahead. Yeah, so. man. Well, you know, all, all 50 people in the stands got places to be. Yeah, yeah. So two nothing. Good grief, Adam. Right. All over this. I, did I send you my note? <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I promise. Objectivity. He did not. All right. Well, let's see if we can. Uh, let's make it a little bit. Uh, let's go uh, base stealing here. All right. So we're gonna look at it from the defensive side, the pitching side, and the catcher. Which NL East team had the worst stolen base percentage against them allowed? in 2019 not just in the nl east 
but in all of Major League Baseball. Can I take the first one on this one? Go That's for it. you. I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, I'm inclined to believe him, but I'm going to I'm I'm going to go with the Marlins. Uh it was actually the Mets. The Mets gave up 86.3% of the stolen base attempts were successful against the Mets this really? year. It is the fifth worst season in, uh, since 1951, since it's been tracked in 1951. You know, it surprises have... me because Flowers has always, the big knock against him has been not getting base runners. Yep. The NL East also had the best at uh, avoiding uh, stolen bases this year, and that was the Phillies. They only gave up 56.9% uh, were successful. Well, real Muto, he's got a cannon. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it wasn't even close to to second to last or second closest to them, right? So, yeah, they definitely they were strong, but the Mets were yeah, almost historically terrible this year. I mean, the last time somebody had that bad of a, a stolen base percentage against them was actually the 2017 Astros and they only won the World Series, so I guess what that stat really means. So, <laughs> right. Let's see. Um Okay, what team in the National League, National League East, swung at the most 3-0 pitches, Adam. Oh, it's got to be the... It's got to be the Mets. Kevin? Um, well, I feel like the Braves swung three, uh, <laughs> swung all the time. In those they, spots. If I if I just keep guessing Braves, I'm going to get it right eventually, right? <laughs> they did. They swung at everything <laughs> this year. They swung at everything this year. Out of 332 tries at a 3-0 count, they swung at 68 of them, giving them over 20% of uh, their 3-0 tries. They swung at it. Um, the next closest percentage-wise was Pittsburgh at 18.4%, and then Cleveland under 15%. Do, and, do you think I, that, it was just wasn't even close. Do, do you think that, like, Snit, Snit just has a soft spot for that kind of aggression, don't you think? Um, yeah, I, look, I think that, you know, Kevin Seitzer has these guys in a frame of mind where, like, look, he, he likes the aggressive style, but, but, you know, be aggressive but also be smart. You know, go up there with a plan as well. Um, so I think that, you know, you've got a lot of guys, you know, you've got the youth with Acuna and Albies who love to swing early, you know, and and try to, you know, go up there and green light them. Um, you got the the professional hitters like Freddie and, and Markakis and Donaldson. And um, so, you know, there's a pretty healthy balance of, of young and old um, that, you know, you trust in those scenarios. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's an organizational thing. I don't know if that's an analytics thing. I don't know where that, where that comes from. But, um, yeah, they, they seem to enjoy those situations for sure. Nice. Hey, Jim, give us one more to send us out. I don't know. I got I got two more I want to run past you guys real quick. Do All it. Right, do so it. We're, since I've got the Braves guys on with me, I'm going to just put this straight to the Braves. I was wondering if you guys could tell me what pitcher had the most strikeouts in a single season in the modern era for the Braves. A Braves single season record for strikeouts in the modern era, which I consider 1893 till present when they actually changed the mound from 55 feet, six inches back to 60 feet, six inches. Uh, Kevin, what you got? I would say Greg Maddox. Uh, I'm going to say Warren Spahn. That was my second guess. It actually ends up being John Smoltz. 1996, he had 276 strikeouts. Jeez. So, but not the all-time record. You'd have to go back to the 1884 Bean Eaters, and that would be none other, none other than 
Charlie Buffington, who tossed up 417 <laughs> strikeouts. All right. The old Buffington. Okay. And so to end it all off, since we just talked about uh, Charlie Buffington, um, I wanted to know, uh, since you guys are Braves fans, you guys know that they play in Atlanta now, and they played in Milwaukee before. But they also played in Boston before that. Can you name the six names that they played under while they were in Boston? And I'll let you guys take turns, and we'll start with Adam. Uh, that was the, that was the, all right. So does it have to be in order? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, they were the Boston doves at one point. All right. The doves check. Bean eaters. Check. The, uh, bees. Check. Braves. Check. Oh, that's not fair. Um, (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) The, uh, oh man. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, the, they weren't the Robins. No, that was the, that was Brooklyn. Uh, they were the, uh, Nikes. Can can you save the day here, Kevin? Uh, they were only one of these for one year. Yeah. In 1911, they were the Boston Rustlers for one year. That was a, one of their great teams. They went 44 and 107 that year for a 29 <laughs> winning percentage. So no wonder everybody wants to forget about that. But the first name that they played underneath was the Boston Red Stockings. Oh, I wanted was... to say that too, man. Yeah. That's super so, lame. It just feels like you're talking about the Boston Red Sox every time it comes up. But, yeah, for the first seven seasons that they played in the National League, they were the Boston Red Stockings. But I think you guys did really good getting the Bean Eaters, the Doves, the Beats. The Braves one was really tough. But, yeah, uh, right? Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, Kevin, look, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on. It was a, it was a blast talking talking baseball with with you. And, yeah, uh, you know, thanks I, for your knowledge. Yeah, that was, yeah, we really enjoyed having you on. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right, and uh, we will be back. Uh, we will be back next week when uh, uh, who do we have coming on, Jim? It's uh, John Becker. Yeah, I think John Becker is going to come on and try to take on the NL Central for us. Uh, he does some work, I believe, with the uh, roster, roster resource and yeah. uh, other places. He's got himself a nice little spreadsheet of everything that's going for offseason moves. So he should be a pretty good guy to to let take over on the microphone for a while while I sit around and, and stare off into space. Fabulous. All right. Well then uh, we look forward to look forward to that next week. Again, you can follow Kevin. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, I'm very creative. Uh, thought very long and hard about it. And I just went with my full name. So it's at Kevin McAlpin on Twitter and Instagram. Fabulous. And Genius. you can, it, it, it's, it. it's how to do it. <laughs> so you've got uh, Kevin McAlpin. I am at Adam C Mac and uh the uh, at passing jim i and, went with my name but i'm a little more creative than kevin i put it back yeah, yeah you're, you're <laughs> innovator and uh at rmntc baseball for the blog make sure you subscribe to subscribe to the podcast so i don't have to blow you up all the time to sit to hear it thank you so much everybody we'll see you next week